just really want to talk about you, Jesus. I want to talk about the king, you know, Emmanuel, God with us. And so what a better time to do it as we're celebrating the birth of our King Jesus. You know, the three wise men who, by the way, were magicians. They were the magi. They were magicians, you know, and they knew that Jesus was coming. They were watching the signs in the heavens, and they knew he was coming. And they very correctly said, we're looking for the king of the Jews. And so they knew that he was going to be a king. And then when Jesus was put on the cross, once again, Pilate had them put the sign, King of the Jews, which infuriated the Jews, right? But he is our king. He is the king of kings, and he is our high priest. And so I, I just, I'm, I'm so excited about this next series that we're going into, really diving deep into Jesus, because we could talk about him all day long, right? And so I want, I, no better way to start talking about Jesus than to preach the gospel, now, I remember um, being on an airplane recently, and I got on the airplane, and I actually went off. I, I got on the airplane, and I, I, I'm, like, on the plane, and I realized I left my luggage back, you know, at, at the airport, you know, and so I had to go back through the line. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, and I'm running thinking, oh, my gosh, is it even still there, or do they think a bomb's in it? I don't know. So I run back. I get my luggage, and I think that's so odd because I never do that, you know? I mean, I'm not that, I'm not forgetful like that. So I go back, and when I go back, there's only one seat left, and it's between um, this um, African-American woman and a businessman, and so I'm like, I just, prophetically said, well, I guess that I'm supposed to sit here with the two of you, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, the Lord's up to something, so I sit down, and immediately, you know, I, I can feel the Holy Spirit, and I think, okay, Lord, what do you want to say, and so I began to a conversation with this lovely African-American woman, who, by the way, still calls me today, and I said, um, I said, so I can see that you're an opera singer. And she said, I'm sorry, I am an opera singer. How do you know that? So we get into the things of the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's just on. I'm thinking, dang, this good. I have my vitamins this morning. And uh, so, so she's getting just blown up. So the Holy Spirit's just blowing her up. She's crying. I've been waiting. I've been praying. She's a believer. I've been asking the Lord. I said, the Lord is sending you to France. He's saying that there's somebody there that you're supposed to connect with. She said, I was on the phone with a, 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 a college in France, and I'm supposed to be going there. And I was like, she, that's like, I can't believe this. This is confirmation. And I thought, that's amazing. So I thought, this is going really well. So I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn. I'm going to talk to this guy now. I mean, we could, this could be like a gravy train airplane ride. You know, it's just like, get the whole plane saved if this is going to be the way it goes, right? So I turned to the guy next to me, and I said, um, so tell me a little bit about yourself. And he starts talking. And immediately, <clears throat> I can't, I have no vision in the spirit. I'm just like, kink, 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 kink. Have you ever had that happen? Like, it's just like, I can't see, I can't, I'm not getting anything. And so he's a, he's a big intellectual. And so he just begins to talk and talk and talk. And you can, I can just see numbers over his head. That's the only thing I can see. And so he's, he's talking about, um, 
um, you know, practically quantum physics, which is way over my head. And so I'm, I keep asking the Holy Spirit, you know, how am I going to touch his heart? You know, how would you show me something? So I'm talking to him and this baby starts crying. I mean, we're talking not just, eh, eh. I mean, this baby is bellowing. I'm like, did somebody give that baby a mic? Because, or, a, a you know, <laughs> it's got like foghorn leghorn. And, and so I'm trying to talk to this man, and I'm thinking, that baby is really irritating me because I'm going to preach the gospel, and I can't preach the gospel because he can't hear me, and I'm right here. And so, uh, so I don't know what came on me, but obviously the Holy Spirit. And I said, hey, you want to see something cool? And he goes, yeah. And I said, see that baby crying? And he goes, yeah. I said, watch this. I said, in the name of Jesus, peace come on that baby, and I command you to be silent. And the baby goes, And I was like, oh, that worked. <laughs> you know how you're like, I have no idea what I'm saying, but boy, it's coming out of my mouth, and this better be, Lord, you better show up, Lord. And he, he looks at me, and he goes, how did you do that? And I, I said, you know, that wasn't me. It was the Holy Spirit. And, and, um, and he said, oh, yeah, I grew up Catholic. I don't believe in any of that stuff. And he starts telling me about the woundings in the Catholic Church. And so his mom and dad and all that kind of stuff. You have your, you know, you ride on planes. Everybody talks to you, right? They start telling you, they're like, I've never told anybody this. It's the Holy Spirit. Emmanuel, God with us. They start telling the God with you all their stuff. And you're like, I know. Okay. It's okay. It's okay. So he starts telling me all this stuff and he's just so, his, his heart is so hardened and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to have to come at this from an intellectual standpoint. And so I said, let me ask you a question. And I don't, I'm not looking for an answer. I just want to ask you a question. And I said, do you think that um, the God of the universe who created heaven and earth and everything in it, I'm going to turn in my Bible here um, to Job because it's such a beautiful picture I didn't actually say this when I was on the plane because I didn't have Job memorized. That would have been helpful. He probably thought I would, he would have thought I was really cool. <laughs> so the Lord answered Job chapter 38 out of the whirlwind and said, who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now he's talking to Job. Job may have overstepped him, his boundaries a little. Um, now prepare yourself like a man and I will question you and you shall answer me. I'm pretty sure this is where Job is like terrified and falling on his face. He's like, uh, okay, God is speaking to me out of the whirlwind. <sighs> so verse six, he says this, to what, to what were its foundations fa fastened, meaning the earth, or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst forth and issued from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band. And I fixed my limit for it and set bars and doors. When I said this far you may come and no farther. And here your proud waves must stop. 
This is the God of the universe who had his hand, his thought, his mind, his heart, and he set every star in place. And so I'm telling this man, I'm, I'm saying, this is the God of the universe. And he, I said, let me ask you a question. His son came of a virgin, lived a perfect life, died a horrible death, was hung on the cross, and on the third day rose so that we could start a religion? I said, does that make any sense to you? Because it doesn't make any sense to me. But the truth is that all of that happened, and he sent his son, his only begotten son, to bring his family home. Because he so loved us that he desired to have us back with him. This man looked at me and he said, I don't know how to answer that question. Because all I've ever known is a church that has a bunch of rules and has a bunch of traditions and where I have to go and do this and this and this and this and this in order to be approved by God. He said, I've never thought of it that way. And I said, this whole thing is about love. It's all about love. It's all about Jesus. Jesus, God so loved the world. He so loved you. And he would have done it just for you. And as he was hanging on the cross, the posture of him hanging on the cross, I love what Misty Edwards said. It is a heart that's wide open. It's arms that are flung open saying, come to me. My heart, I have laid myself bare for you because I desire you. I had a dream um, this past week, and in the dream, it was a phenomenal dream, and in the dream, I was in charge of, I'd been given the job of, I was, I was part of a wedding service, and I'd been given the job to get all the candles together and then get the candles lit because the bride is coming. And so I began to pick out candles, and I first picked out these candles that were red, and somebody said, oh, no, 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 the candles have to be white. And so I put these candles in the place, in the, in the place where the marriage was going to take place, and I was lighting all of these candles. And then I went outside where the bride would make her entrance. And it was a spiral staircase, this massive spiral staircase. And my job, I had to go and put the candles along the staircase and light them so that she could find her way. And as I lit those candles, I began to hear the sound of her coming and ascending the stairs. I could hear that massive gown and all of the ruffles, and here she came. And I thought to myself, this is the
the most amazing job description that we have been commissioned by God to prepare the way for his bride. That, that, that there is going to be a wedding, and he's saying it is soon. It is in this generation. And that just excited me so much because the beauty of bringing light is exactly what Jesus did. I am the light of the world, therefore you are the light of the world. Emmanuel, Emmanuel, right? Jesus is Emmanuel. He is the one, God with us. He came to live on the inside of us so that we would be the burning ones. We would be those candlesticks that never go out. But we would light the way for the bride to get to the bridegroom. And I love what John the Baptist said. He said when his um, disciples began to question why all of the people were now going to Jesus. You know, they were like, well, you know, we built this big ministry, and now everybody's going over there. And I, I love the leadership of John the Baptist when he said, I only have what heaven has given me. I am not the bridegroom. I'm the one that's called to get the bride to the bridegroom. The, the, the ministers in, in, in the body of Christ, they are not the bridegroom. If they are not leading us to Jesus, saying, no, 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 don't come to me. Let's go to Jesus. That's why it is so critical and important to that what's happening in the world with these houses of prayer. Because the houses of prayer are saying, here's the way. Here's the way to the king. You are the Shulamite. He is the king. This is the most glorious love story of all eternity between you and your king. I wasn't even going to preach on that. So uh, we had an owl show up. How many of you heard about the owl? Yes, Winston Church Hill, Church on a Hill, get it? <laughs> um, yes, Matthew. <laughs> yeah, photo cred to Matthew, name cred to Matthew. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, I really wanted Bob, but oh well. Bob, don't you love the name Bob? Backwards and forwards, it's the same. And it just rolls right off your tongue, Bob. Anyway, uh, so anyway, the owl shows up, which is crazy. It's a cute little, cute little kind of a baby owl. And we were like, oh, it's so cute. And it would just sit up there with its little eyes and uh, fly around, which, by the way, they have really big wings, kind of scary. But uh, so he was with us for a couple of days. We went and bought some food for the owl. I won't go there, but the owl ended up disappearing before he could eat the food. And um, it's been an adventure. But here's the thing. Let me talk about you prophetically about this owl for a minute, okay? <clears throat> because that has something to do with what I believe the Lord is saying in this hour. Um, Danny Silk, about two years ago, said that the Lord told him that the, the symbol of the owl is now replacing the symbol of the eagle for the prophetic. 
And the reason is that the owl, you know, the eagle can see during the day, but the owl can see during the night. And we are in the Isaiah 60, you know, rise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Great darkness shall cover the earth and already is. And if we know we're in the season of the bridegroom and the bride, then we know that we're in the season of great darkness covering the earth. But hey, guess who the light is? But we are the light. Right? And so what the, what the owl represents is the prophetic that can see in the darkness. And I just learned this, didn't know it until, of course, an owl showed up in our church. Um, but do you know that owls don't have eyeballs? Isn't that crazy? They have, they have these long tunnels that are called binoculars, which is why they can see at such a great distance in the dark. So God took the owl and put in him a set of binoculars. Isn't that cool? So I was like, this is, a, this is amazing because our heart is to go into the dark places. Our heart is to go to Harry Hines, to go to the brothels, to go to the strip clubs, you know, to go into the gay community, to go into your workplace, which, by the way, for a lot of you, you're like, yeah, it's pretty dark, but to be that light and to say, let me preach a gospel to you that is a gospel of grace and love, and it's a gospel of the kingdom, not a gospel of a bunch of rules. Amen? It's all about love. All right, so A.W. Tozer said this, The low view of God entertained almost universally among Christians is the cause of a hundred lesser evils everywhere among us. A whole new philosophy of Christian life has resulted from this one basic error in our, in our religious thinking. With our loss of sense of majesty has come the further loss of religious awe and consciousness of the divine presence. We have lost our spirit of worship and our ability to withdraw inwardly to meet God in adoring silence. And so you can see all throughout the world, and now since we're all connected through the internet, we know a lot about how other nations, who they worship, and we can also see the level of freedom and the level of love in those nations based on who they worship. Am I right? And how, they, how much they value human life based on the God that they worship. How much they, they, they choose love over hatred generosity, a spirit of giving, a spirit of hospitality. And so you look at America who was founded on, on, on biblical principles, on the word of God, and you can see how high the level has gone here. And it's gone that high because God honors his word. And so to A.W. Tozer's point is that each one of us will only go as high as the one that we behold. And so oh, the, oh, the, we will only go as high as the knowledge of the God that we worship. Which is why when I first started this and the Lord began to tell us to start a house of prayer, I was like, well, you're going to have to give me a dream. And he gave me a dream, and in the dream, I saw the house of prayer with a plaque over it that said, if you teach them to pray, you don't have to tell them how to live. Because when you are beholding the one true God, 
What happens is that the water level of your life begins to go up because you actually begin to believe the one who created you, not just for how you've been made, but what you've been made for. Amen? Because the truth is, your internal life is the thing that will drive your external reality. What happens in that secret place with God? And this is not about religion. And see, that's what I love about, that's what I love. And this is where the church has missed it because they have assigned prayer to a religious activity. They've assigned prayer to something that we have to check. Oh, you know, we got to do my quiet time. No, I've got to go have my heart wrecked by a living God who speaks words of life over me until I'm weeping and I'm in a puddle and I'm like, you are so worthy to be praised. I love what Mike Bickle said. He was traveling around the nation when he was first a minister uh, and first learning, you know, and growing and getting a ministry and all of that. He was traveling around the nation with um, John Wimber. Thank you. And after a couple of years, he went to John Wimber, and everybody was getting to know his name, and he was getting to be famous and everything. And uh, uh, he went to John Wimber, and he said, yeah, you know, I'm not going to do this anymore. And, and John Wimber said, why? It's going so well. You know, you're doing great. Everybody, you know, the power, you know, you're preaching, everything. You're just fire. And he said this. He said, I don't weep when I read the word anymore. You know, I'm so caught up in the busyness of life that I've left my first love, the place where I, I'm undone, you know, where the word's not washing me anymore. I'm just reading it, and it's just a bunch of stale stories. But the truth is, we're supposed to be washed because love covers those words were written through a pen of love. And that love, every time we read it, man, it just covers us. And it covers us, you know? I remember when the Lord first told me to pray. And, um, and he said, okay, I want you to pray 12 hours a week. And I thought, I'm sorry, do you hate me? I've, you've saved my life. And at the time, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. I didn't get prayer. Again, I thought a prayer was a list. I thought a prayer was begging. I thought a prayer was me. Just keep me out of pain. Make sure I have enough money. Blah, 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 blah. I didn't realize that, that God had designed the entire universe around an idea that he would create a son. He would breathe his very breath and create a living soul so that he could reveal himself to that son. And I got tricked. So as an obedient daughter, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to prayer. I'm just going to go to prayer. And I went, and, man, he showed up stronger than some of those glory meetings. You know how you go to those meetings and you're like, Ah, I got slain in the spirit. It was amazing. I was so drunk. I could barely walk. Blah, 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 blah. 
And he started showing up like that in my prayer time. And it's just me. And I'm like, this is awesome. Why didn't you tell me that this is how it can be? That you wash over me, you know? Now, it's not that like that all the time. I mean, let's be real, right? But it's usually on my part, not on his part. So if we see God wrongly, then we see God's promises filtered through a lens that is skewed, therefore the result in wrong conclusions, which will lead to wrong reactions, which will lead to an awful lot of heartache. I love that the uncreated one decided to make you and me, and he did it based on a relationship with the subject matter of himself. Think about that. That really, what he just wants is he wants to say, look at me. Just look at me. I know, you're, I know you're really scared right now about your boss or about money. Just look at me because my eyes are like a flame of fire and it's going to burn all of that fear away. It's going to burn all of that false thinking about who you think you are that's wrong. I'm going to burn it away because my eyes are eyes of love and I'm going to look at you as you look at me and then I'm going to look at you as you look at me. And you're going to start doing what the seraphim are doing. And they are blazing. And you're going to begin to catch that fire. And that candle that you are is going to become lit. And you're going to begin to burn. And then you're going to look at me, and then you're going to burn, and I'm going to look at you, and then you're going to burn, and then you're going to look at me. And it's the most glorious symphony of love that we have ever experienced. And trying to have any kind of human love outside of this reality will leave all of us dry and bitter which is why he said, prophesy to those bones so that they can come back alive and breathe on them with the very breath of God that is in you. Because now you have the breath of God within you. And as you prophesy to those dry bones, those dry bones around you begin to come alive, including the dry bones in your own life. Amen? And so as God continues to show us who he is, you know in life how you think, okay, I got it all figured out, you know, I'm in my 50s now, I've seen it all, you know, you know, you've seen the cycles of life, everybody, yeah, life goes like this, not like this, by the way. So you've seen the cycles of life, and you've seen the seasons of life, and so you're pretty, you're pretty much salt and pepper. John is salt and pepper. So you're salt and pepper. And so you kind of like, okay, I've been seasoned. I've got character. You know, I understand the, the different journeys of life. But even that, God said you can't do that. You can't look at even your experience 
without coming to me. Because he based everything in relationship. He said, I refuse to separate love from government. You are called to govern with me, and I'm not going to let you govern with me outside of relationship. I'm not going to let you rule with me outside of intimacy. Because I created the two to be one, and I'm not going to let you eat of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, get the things that you need in order to advance and fulfill my will. But he said, I'm going to take you over here, and I'm only going to allow you to eat of me so that you can have life and life abundant. Amen? Alan Hood from IHOP said this, and I love this. He said, the formation of man did not come through a simple creative word, such as one that, was create, that created the heavens. The very hand of the word himself worked you. It said that you were knit together in your mother's womb. Your mother didn't even know what you would look like. But God was knitting you. His hand was creating you. He was forming you in your mother's womb. The very hand of the word himself worked this masterpiece, and his breath ushered in a living soul. The breath and life force of God fashioned and formed the heart of man, and God left his indelible mark upon Adam, his holy breath filling a treasured soul. And the connecting point between heaven and earth is that very spot where the breath of God came and breathed on you, where you've now, it said that Adam was a living soul, but Jesus was a quickening spirit. Therefore, as you are saved and born again, what happens is that the Holy Spirit comes and begins to quicken the spirit within you to the spirit of God. Because no one can know God unless they know God by the spirit. Which is why when Ezekiel was saying, I see a vision and uh, I'm not really sure what I'm seeing because he's seeing something that's so otherworldly that he didn't even have the language to say what he was seeing. Now think about that for your own life and what that means. What does that mean? You can't know God just through your imagination. You absolutely have to know God by the Spirit because even Ezekiel used words like this. Well, I see a throne like, um, creatures like, and it, there was everything that was in heaven was so beyond his own comprehension and his own ability to give words to it. He was like, I can't even describe this. It's kind of like this, but not really, but sort of. And so it's, it's really the same way as we give ourselves to the Lord. It is the same way that we will be undone in that place of prayer. Amen? All right, so here's what I want to do. I want to I pray this prayer over you. Um, because here's the truth. I, I, how many of you feel like when you go to prayer that not experiencing the pleasures, the fullness of the pleasures of God in the place of prayer. Would you raise your hand? Don't be shy. And it feels kind of like dry. And so um, here's what I want to do, because this is a place, the garden, you know, we were born in a garden, Adam born in a garden. It's all about a garden. Well, now it's the garden of our hearts. 
and it's the Garden of Pleasure. This is the Garden of Pleasure. The Garden of Eve, uh, the Garden of Eden means pleasure. It's the Garden of the Pleasure of God, where we commune with Him, and it's supposed to be this really alive, pleasurable experience. And so, I want to pray over you um, this prayer. But why don't we? Why don't we go ahead and stand? Um, because I don't want you to be robbed of that level of intimacy. And one of the prayers that I prayed when I started to pray those 12 hours a week was, God, teach me to pray. I don't know how to encounter you. I don't know what this even looks like for my life, you know. But I want it to be real, and I want it to be you, and I want to be changed by your presence, you know. I don't want to live a stale Christian life. I mean, honestly, how many of you would be in this if that was the truth? You know, it's just like, count me out, God. Right? God's not boring. I mean, you know, look at that four-headed creature. Um, all right, so let me pray. Just go ahead and close your eyes. Well, Lord, how great is our dilemma. Oh, by the way, this is, this is uh, C.S. Lewis. This is a prayer from him. Lord, how great is our dilemma. In thy presence, silence best becomes us. But love inflames our hearts and constrains us to speak. Were we to hold our peace, the stones would cry out. Yet if we speak, what shall we say? Teach us to know that we cannot know. For the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. Let faith support us where reason fails, and we shall think because we believe, not in order that we may believe. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you would like to partner with us, you can visit storehousedallas.com forward slash give or you can send a text message with an amount to 84321 thank you very much for your contributions